Hello and welcome once again to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave. This is Phil speaking. With me, as always, is Dave. Hello. And this week we've got, coming off of Dave's Shelf, 2015's The Revenant, directed by Alejandro Inarritu, and starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Welcome back to the podcast. And uh, why, why this movie? And uh, certainly why now? You make it sound like I was on vacation or something. <laughs> Feels like it. It's been too long it's since too long. we last yeah, uh, heard your dulcet tones. Yeah, it's been a week. I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been referred to as Kathleen Turner. You know, such a sultry voice. <laughs> uh, I'm good, Phil. Let's get that out of the way early, so we don't have to think about it. And there's not a whole lot to the reason why I chose this movie, other than uh, one of my classes I'm taking is photography. And this movie, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, is, in the words of Luke Wilson, gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have that note. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they must have shot this in Denver because <laughs> it's gorgeous. I, I thought I better get that out before you did. So, Oh, nice work. Yeah, nice yeah, work. Yeah. I was going to save it for later, but glad I didn't. Usually it goes the other way. Usually I steal your stuff. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pleased. Typical. Uh, so really, that's all there is to it. I, it's, it had been a little while since I've watched it. I've seen it a couple of times, and it's I'm still mixed on it on this movie. So I thought, well, what a what a, a great idea, as, as I have many of them, to bring it off my shelf so I can get a little uh, input from you. Not that I value it, but uh, <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> At the very least, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> judging by the listenership, no, 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 anyone else. So I think we're okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and that's really it. So I, from your uh, from the impression I got last week, you had seen this movie. So give me just a quick uh, history uh, of your experience with this film, Philip, from 2015. Uh, this was a movie I saw in the theater, as you should, um, as you should for sure. Yeah, I think you know. I, I, I had kind of in that mid 2010s drifted a little bit uh, away from the theatrical experience, not sort of by choice, but by laziness. Okay, that's nice. uh, just sort of just sort of wasn't uh, just wasn't a time that I was going out a lot. Although this year I thought was a particularly, you know, I don't want to say exciting year, but a pretty good year um, when when looking at at the stuff that was out and certainly the stuff that was sort of nominated for Oscars. I saw almost uh, all the movies, uh, uh, not all, but I saw many of the big movies in the theater. So it wasn't a complete write off, but there were a couple years before and or after this that I just seemed, it just happened. You know, the whole year went beyond me and I was like, Oh shit, that movie. Uh, so anyway, uh, I was a little more into the streaming world by that point, uh, disappointingly, but this one felt like it was one that I really, you know, should see in the theater, and and I was pleased that I did. But I'm I'm a bit with you in that I saw it, and you know, remember uh, this this same year uh, was uh, Mad Max uh, Fury Road, uh, which we talked about in the archives, mm-hmm. and that was another movie that was just you know sort of big, beautiful, audacious filmmaking, but not a whole lot didn't leave me a whole lot. Now I liked it a little more upon the rewatch for the for the podcast, but in the theater I was left feeling like, eh, okay, that was good. Like it's as, you know, visually appealing, but didn't leave me with any particular uh, emotionality, let's say, or connectivity. Okay. And 
this movie is a bit like that for me. It's a movie that, in a in a in a sort of a bite-sized answer, it's a movie that I am impressed by more than entertained by. Very good words. Yes. Yes. Um, and there's a couple of movies that fit into that category, but this is this is is definitely one of those um, where the filmmaking is is impeccable, and the performances, at least the certainly the lead performance, is excellent. But I didn't leave feeling. Uh, this is not a movie that I was eager to get back to. You know, I, yeah. I haven't watched it since 2015. You know, it just wasn't sort of like that's a beautiful movie. But yeah, okay, I got it. You know. Whereas something like uh, another movie, maybe that uh, I can equate it to, is something like um, Titanic, which is a movie that, uh, you know, all of the the Jack and Rose stuff, we'll maybe pull that off the shelf at some point. Oh, please. But all the Jack and Rose stuff, I didn't connect with. I didn't really have any, I didn't really care for that particular storyline. But the audaciousness of Jim, of James Cameron's filmmaking the idea of doing the titanic and the you know the the practical effect and the visual effect the all of the moving pieces of the, the tank you know all of that was really impressive even if the movie at the end was sort of like uh, or that particular storyline was not quite as engrossing all the stuff around it i found entertaining and that's a movie i've revisited a few times because i, I do think that that, that movie's maybe a little bit more entertaining than this one. And they, they felt very similar to me in that, in that weird way. That's, you know, someone asked me this weekend, Phil likes cruises, and I wasn't sure how to answer. I don't know how it came up. but <laughs> <laughs> I love cruises. You love cruises. Okay. So, I love cruises. Okay, they seem to know you better than me. So I said, uh, probably he likes to travel and such. And uh, on You should listen to my cruising podcast. But, uh, <laughs> people thought it was a different type of podcast. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just talking about Al Pacino's movie okay. over and over again called Cruising. Yeah, please don't. It's a, a BDSM uh, <laughs> gay culture uh, film from like the early 80s by William Freakin. It's, it's an interesting movie, ah, to say the least. I yeah. what we've watched it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a fan. We have, yeah. Uh, the French Connection. Rules of Engagement, I believe. Rules of Engagement as well, yeah, yeah. Um, I I definitely gonna agree with you on this. I mean, it, this is a movie that's very real. It gets a sense of real, gripping in its own way, uh, but not a movie or a lot of scenes where you don't need to see it again. Uh, there's there's no few good men uh, go, going on here where you can instantly watch this movie. I mean, it doesn't help that it's two hours and thirty six uh, even minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. Question is, does it need to be? Well, we can get into that maybe, uh, but it is a bit of a a long. Uh, it's all. It's, it's your whole night, really, if you're gonna if you're gonna watch this. So, <laughs> Certainly yeah. at forty, uh, that is your whole night. Yeah, once, once you cross that forty year old threshold, exactly. But, but for a movie that has absolutely amazing direction, I think the, the way it's directed is fantastic. I think the acting, for what they had to work with script wise, was superb. And the cinematography was absolutely top notch. To have all those three things and feel that I wasn't that entertained is an interesting, I don't know, paradox. And so it's a weird feeling to say, well, all this is great, but it, leaving you somewhat empty, like emotionally. It didn't quite have that emotional conviction uh, it seemed to be lacking. Uh, and, and believe me, it's not Leo. Leo, and I was 
one of those guys who felt, because I heard this somewhere, and I jumped right on the bandwagon with this idea that, oh, Leo, they gave him this Oscar because, well, it was time for him to win one, so this was the movie. We'll just give it to yeah. him for a, for a more or less a lifetime achievement. So I, I was a part of that narrative, uh, unfortunately. And I'm, I'm going to go back on that because Leo delivers an authentic performance, like, to a fault, actually. Uh, it's so, <laughs> you know, I feel his suffering to the point where it's insufferable uh, at certain points of the movie. But the, his commitment to this role is, was absolutely commendable. And I think that's why he was commended through the Oscar, <laughs> really. <laughs> It, yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't his dialogue, that's for sure. But his commitment to this role and really felt he felt like Hugh Glass, whoever that is. I think it's based on a person of the same name. But obviously, you know, a lot of things added. Isn't he? I, I thought the character was a little more interesting when Sam Jackson played him. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't Hugh that's, Hugh Glass in Unbreakable? I don't think it's Hugh. I don't think it's Hugh. <laughs> Uh, you're gonna make mixed up. Uh, uh, oh, okay. I have to sure check my notes. Jim, uh, I forget what his name was. <laughs> Mister. That's it. It was Mister. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I have a thing. I, I'm interested because, in terms of the acting part, I remember there's a scene. Uh, there's a, a moment in a movie that we haven't talked about yet that's really good called Marathon Man with with Roy Scheider and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, here we go again. And. And he's talking about uh, a scene with uh, with Dustin Hoffman and, and Lawrence Olivier, and Hoffman is he's supposed to be in the moment like kind of a, a paranoid, st- uh, stressed out. He's been up all you know for three days straight and so forth. So per- the story is that Hoffman comes on set and he's absolutely exhausted. And he's doing all these things. He's all like in character, right? He's method or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence Olivier apparently the story goes turns to him and says, you know. Why haven't? You, why don't you just try acting? And you know, you don't have to do these things to yourself to actually be an actor. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, you can you can just perform. Yeah. And and I'm not suggesting because I, I agree the performance is is is, un, is staggering, right? I mean, it, it's incredible. And I would and to your point, I wouldn't say that this is a, a career achievement, uh, a type of award. Now he's had great performances before, and he's had great performances after. We really liked him at Shutter Island mm-hmm. in the archives yeah. and. Uh, I like him in a movie, uh, Revolutionary Road, which is a sort of an underappreciated movie, I thought. But he's he's an actor that's capable of a lot. And I'm watching this movie, and, and it, it does feel like, to a certain extent, that he's living it mm-hmm. more than even performing it. Yes. And um, and I don't know. There's a, there's a couple of points in the movie where I, I kind of thought to myself, you know, why don't you just try acting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, he is acting. I just mean to suggest, like, it just it really feels like he's living it. Yeah. And I think that's a combination of, of the way the movie is shot. Yes. Um, yeah. Both, you know, from the cinematographer, who's, who's a beautiful guy named Emmanuel. This is going to be a tough one to pronounce. <laughs> but uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, I believe. Uh, at the very least, it's Lubezki. Um, who's phenomenal. Uh, filmmaker, phenomenal cinematographer, and uh, he did the the later Terrence Malick's movie, Ter- Terrence Malick movies, uh, Tree of Life and, and To the Wonder and Night of Cups and Song to Song. Um, they did Birdman together, are, I believe. Arguably, those movies are better, you know, filmed than uh, than than they are movies. At least the latter one or two, mm-hmm. um, but definitely doing. The you know he did in, with the Children of Men with Inuratu and 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 uh, Birdman which was another one that was sort of like all one continuous shot and 
the Revenant. So just a, a beautiful filmmaker. He's just a just an excellent cinematographer in Itumo Montambian. He's been he's worked a lot with this uh, with this director uh, a lot. Yeah, and it is really quite impressive. And, and if you look at his filmography. The work that it just speaks for itself. Every movie that he's he's been the cinematographer of uh, has been just one of the most beautiful movies of the year. So um, yeah, he did Gravity. I, I noticed uh, he was in and Gravity, Gravity too. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. I haven't seen another Inuyasha movie. I really want to see Gravity, and I just there's no 4K copy. I keep waiting because I don't want to get the Blu-ray, and then they turn on and, and do a of course fancy upgrade. So I'm in a bit of a rock and a hard place right now. But uh, that's okay. We're not talking about that right now. But yeah, I would uh, definitely agree. Now, this was uh, sort of at the beginning was one shot for a while, wasn't it? If- yeah, yeah, it does have that that those big long takes. You know, one of the benefits of a digital camera is that you you don't have the sort of ten minute mag that, that it used to be in the old days, yeah. where you kind of between ten and fifteen minutes, you have to sort of switch the yeah, the, the film thing. canister over. So, you, but these extra long yeah. sequences um, make a really engrossing and engaging uh particularly for action sequences you know and we saw a little bit of it with uh, with private ryan and and, and uh, uh this obviously takes that to a new level in terms of the the camera work but 1917 uh, you feel like you're really in the thing 1917 yeah. is another great example of that yeah. exactly yeah imagine i was thinking when i'm watching this imagine this movie came out like in 90 in 1995 this movie yeah. would, would be terrible <laughs> it's you're you're, <laughs> you're you you're removing everything that makes this movie good other than the acting of course but it just feels like this movie couldn't have been made and would not have been as successful if had it been you know 20 years ago give or take but i must say that opening scene i mean this movie isn't riddled with action actually a lot of it's gone after if you want to include the bear that's more or less it for the most part generally a little bit of a tidbit here and there, but it's certainly not yeah. not moved by action. But that first action sequence, I mean, the first shot of the movie is is absolutely gorgeous. And this is again, this is why I had a hankering for it. To just be doing doing mm-hmm. the photography because I just remember combined with the soundtrack, this is absolutely beautiful. Uh, the way they captured the, the sun and through the trees, the water. And it was oh, yeah. it was filmed in Canada, Argentina, and the U.S. Uh, so some great some great landscapes. So I'm really I'm really happy. Absolutely. And I don't know. Obviously, there's some CGI because there's some animal. Again, I don't I don't know how they pull that the stuff off. Like with with the bear and 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 things like that. It's looks so good. And I'm like, well, yeah. I don't think as much as Leo likes to get into his role. I don't say I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> You don't think he's wrestling a bear? I don't think he's wrestling a bear. I don't think his stunt double is either. So, Yeah, I don't think the insurance company signs off on that. I had meant to ask you, however, what is your history with the movie? You know, what, you know, obviously you had mentioned that, you know, were you, you said you kind of liked it a little bit and, and, and haven't really gone back to it. Is that, what do you, do you remember the sparks or the things that you liked or didn't like? You know, how did this, how did this sort of, this watch in general kind of compare uh, were you excited to watch it again, or were you kind of just curious? I, I actually wanted to watch it with my wife because she hadn't seen it, hoping she would appreci- okay. pre- appreciate it uh, for the same ways. Now, I knew it was going to be a bit of a stretch because she doesn't – the the sound and, and visuals doesn't – isn't as important as it sure. is to me. She doesn't care about Atmos yes. and things like that. But, you you know, you can't watch this movie. I'm glad you got to see it in the theater. I did not mm-hmm. uh, because this is a movie you, you – like, 
talking about 1995, another point to that is watching this in 1995, you're watching it on a tube TV. And sure. with unless you're really, really, really rich with no sound system or anything like that, and you're just not going to get the experience. So why I bought it initially is uh, I began, it was 2015, Phil, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's in around, maybe not quite, no, because I don't think I bought it right away. So it would have been around the time I started tweaking. And, st- and started and, <laughs> okay. and bought, yeah. bought my first Denon receiver, started buying some speakers. And I'm thinking, well, this movie, it seems to check a lot of those boxes. Uh, for yeah. So I thought, well, this would be great. So I got it. I cranked it. And funny story, and you'll appreciate this, is I, 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 I over-tweaked again. I over... Uh, <laughs> for the umpteenth time recently and realized my sound was actually the way I had it rigged to fix my op, my visual problem because I wasn't playing my PS5 in 4K, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just 1080. I'm like, what the heck? And I, so because it was going through my receiver. So I fixed that, but realized the way I fixed it, I'm only getting optical audio, oh, yeah. audio, which maxes out at 5.1. Yeah. So it's coming out of all the speakers, but it's not coming out like it's intended to. That's exactly not like it's supposed to. So I, so I fixed that. I, I tried the second watch. I'm like, this sounds a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> so I deprived my wife of the full uh, experience of the sound. No, it's not Atmos, but it's like the true, the other one, the true HD. I think yeah, true is. HD. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, and it utilizes that wonderfully so it's really the reason why i want to watch again was simply for that and the fact that i my second watch because this is about my fourth or fifth watch overall okay okay and so when i watched it a second after the second third time a while back like a couple years ago i'm like i don't i don't know if i like this i'm like yeah i don't know if it's enough i mean if i want to look at beautiful scenery i'll just go look at pictures or watch a, a nature show <laughs> right like a high like sure like the planet um Planet Earth, which is absolutely gorgeous, but they, you know, they want to tell you how how humans are ruining the Earth. Other than that, it's fantastic. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm saying, let's give this another chance. And my wife wasn't a big fan because of, and I, I and I get it because I wasn't a huge fan either of the the of the bear scene uh, as authentic as it was, but the the horse, the Tauntaun, actually from Empire Strikes. Yeah, Back. yeah, yeah. What a ripoff that was. But a few uh, of the violent uh, of the gore of it because when they when they show it they show it they don't hold oh back. yeah absolutely and you really have to i think you know you can't really i no. think anyway in this movie in particular i think it's like it's part of yeah that's what like it's so germane to the story it's not gratuitous like it has to be that and 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 while it might be a little bit to watch uh it doesn't feel like it's uh unnecessary let's say yeah. so i can't really blame my wife for not really enjoying it because i m- myself didn't really feel incredibly entertained and i don't think it, i think it was more than just playing through the 5.1 optical i don't think sure <laughs> that's all do, do you do you have memories of watching it at the first time and being put off by the violence or do you find that you've you that's more of a later reality you know like like meaning that you're more sensitive to it now maybe than no. you were no. Six, seven, eight years ago. And then, no, no I thing. think I think I was just in denial of the fact that I wasn't that entertained. Oh, like okay. My gotcha. first watch. And I was clinging on to like, okay, no, I really want... It's like, I'm not sure which movie it was, but I recall you mentioning that you really wanted to like it. And... Yeah, there's been a couple of those, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is this would fall in, in that category. I, I really want to like it, but it just doesn't grab me emotionally. 
and it's very lacking yeah. lacking in dialogue. I mean, there's a scene where Tom Hardy's talking about a squirrel being God. We're like, okay, you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? I don't know what they were going for. And then, of course, with Leo, you're just getting the moaning and the the suffering and, tr- and the spitting and trying to speak. Well, he's again, beautifully, <laughs> he does a great job, but I'm not getting out of it. But what I will say is I did like um, the other actor. I believe it is Will Poulter. Will Poulter? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked him because I felt like he was a character that gave me hope for mankind because everyone else in this movie and all side, it didn't really paint a pic- paint a great picture for anybody, really. Uh, other mm-hmm. than, and I thought uh, uh, Bridger, he played Bridger. I thought he was just a good character, yeah. uh, a good guy, and added to an extra layer. But what did you think of the cast outside of outside of Leo? Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think ultimately no one really stood out. Uh, obviously, Tom Hardy stands out at all times. He's just that kind of actor, uh, always doing something interesting. Um, whether it's a voice or just the looks or the mannerisms. So there are a couple of scenes where it's like, again, I believe just about everything I'm seeing, whether it's, I believe it's actually happening in the case of something like the bear attack or, or, you know, where, where you realize like, we know that's not real because it's a movie and whatever, but it's done so specifically and perfectly that it may as like, it, it feels real. Right. And all the, and again, all the, the wounds and all of the gore about it. Like all of that seems very real. Mm -hmm. And Tom Hardy, who we've seen in a number of other movies, uh, is somewhat unrecognizable in this movie, uh, physically and Mm -hmm. is taking a different accent. And, but the intensity on some of those looks and his sort of exasperation with the team and his single mindedness around the pelts and his mission or his, you know, his, his, pay and all of that is so chillingly accurate i think mm-hmm. you know or at yeah. least believable Absolutely. that uh, it's really uh, these performances in both of these movies are are, are sorry in both performances in this movie are pretty magical you know they're, they're very distinct um and believable you know we talked about you know again there's something about the setting and the time that you know in the era you know uh we're talking about fur trading and you know it's obviously a long, long time ago, there's a, there's a, this, the structure of the movie, the, again, the way it's shot and the performances and the storytelling in all its facets really, for me anyway, left me feeling like I was there, you know, and, and, and felt very, um, cold. authentic, yeah. very cold. Like it all was very real, right? Like in, in every respect that having said that, those are the only two characters that really, get any real i think any time right we have some time with the captain uh i want to um, talk about him briefly uh is because he felt like a fish out of water to me uh now i liked him in star wars that's uh, uh domhnall gleason and yeah, I, I recently yeah. rewatched american made with tom cruise okay yeah yeah and he's done a huge role in that but i wasn't really impressed either now this comes says a lot coming from a, a fellow you know redheaded guy so Ginger. Uh, yeah we don't like that term phil uh oh, i know <laughs> that's why you say it right <laughs> that's why i say it exactly so i, I want your opinion because I, I just get the impression that i don't know i just didn't buy in completely to his character and i know i might be alone on that i don't know maybe it was because of of the performance of, of leo and tom 
was so real and so in the scene in that moment and really really felt their character that maybe beside that it's just you can't compare so it could be that or or maybe i'm just maybe i'm misreading his character or being too harsh so what are your thoughts on on his performance well, I think ultimately, I don't think that that's a character that gets a lot of, you know, needs a lot because what I, what I, you know, ultimately he's the, as the sort of captain, you figure that he is the sort of most uh, um, disconnected from the team, right? Like a, like a manager to his staff, ultimately, right? I know you like your retail <laughs> metaphors. Oh, yeah, I love them. Uh, <laughs> right? You, you kind of become, you know, you're not one of them, right? You're above them. You're you're not in the thick of it uh, on some level, right? You're the guy that leads them or that, you know, for, you know, pushes them into battle, but doesn't necessarily lead them into battle. Um, you know, glass is the tracker. So he's doing all of the work in that regard to find them, you know, paths in and out. Fitzgerald, Tom Hardy's character is obviously, uh, you know, displayed as sort of the muscle, right? But both are like, let's say for lack of a better term, dirty, gritty, hands, you know, blue collar, if you will, kind of workers. And I feel like that character is a bit more of the the white collar equivalent uh, in the modern age. Mm -hmm. And therefore, yeah. there he, he is a bit of a fish out of water in so much as he's not doing the thing that everybody else is doing. He's directing them to do it. That's an and I think point. as a result, which I think is ultimately part of why, you know, Hardy has such a animosity towards him. It's that same principle mm -hmm. of saying, screw you, man, I'm off on my own. You know, you owe me this money. And like he's the keeper, right? The keeper of the money, the keeper of the of the whole of the whole situation. And everybody has to answer to him. And um, anyway, so I think that that's where that is. Now, as a, as a performance, I thought he's fine. He doesn't have a lot to work with. I don't see a lot of complexity in that character. Mm -hmm. um, he seems like a good man, you know, in terms of, of his desire to... Uh, take care of his men. You know, he's, he's, he, he went in that fight with Fitzgerald and, you know, he lost 30 men. He's like 33 now, right? Like I know how many, we, how many we've lost. Like I pay attention, like, you know, so he's, he's connected and he wants to, to, to have glass sort of be taken care of to, to his dying breath and so forth. Yeah, so, so give to the worst guy. I, I get the impression he's <laughs> a decent dude, but I don't think the character is a lot of like complexity, right? I think yeah. the two main characters because even Hawk, uh, uh, DiCaprio's son in the movie, you know, dies so early that we don't even really see any those dynamics necessarily. A couple of scenes beforehand yeah. with, with with the three of them and that relationship, but but again, not a whole lot of depth uh, uh, to dig into. It's really Leo's movie yeah. with a little side of Tom of Tom Hardy. Yeah, I, I would I would agree from the get go. I felt like Hawk was just there to. To basically die early on, just yeah. to, just to yeah. impact uh, Leo's character. But I did like those those quick little scenes with Leo Hawk and uh, his wife, I guess, or uh, yeah, his love. So yeah, it, it was nice. It was a nice break from what was happening, and it was uh, again visually stunning mm -hmm. and, and and just interesting artwork and all that. So now, yeah, the imagery is pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is. I mean, it's, there's no shortage of that through throughout this film. Now, as we talk about the movie itself, uh, there's a couple of things I I want to hear your thoughts about the the battle because that's a big that's pretty mm -hmm. you know noteworthy uh, discussion. Yep. It starts off pretty quick, gets the tempo 
gets the blood going. First 15, buddy. First, first, 15. first 15. Got you hooked. <laughs> so I'll, I'll share with you my really only quip with it. Uh, I thought it was shot. Now, it's not a matter of the cameras uh, and the visuals, mm-hmm. but one thing that irks me a little bit, and this is more of a, a general irkation uh, irk, uh, <laughs> thing, is... <laughs> Now, for example, I'll try, try my best to explain it. There's, for example, there is a character who's about to yell something, and he, mm-hmm. he gets an arrow in the throat. Yep. I don't like that because I find it it's too predictable, and it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, of course, that's what's going to happen. And that happens a couple of times where I knew where the arrow, what was going to happen just two seconds before it did. So for me, as as a viewer, I would have much appreciated just a arrow in the leg, something that's you know, not so obvious, you know, of, of mm. talking and, oh, and it goes in the throat because he's talking, right? So that's sure. too coincidental for me and where, you know, the the the, the Native American, uh, he's not waiting for him to talk so he can put an arrow in his throat, right? That's not what happens. It would be coincidence. And it happened a couple of times. So I, I didn't, that's my, again, that's not a huge thing, but I, I don't like that generally in, in any sort of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it's trying too hard, and it's un, for me. It's it seems unnatural for a movie who's being which is shot so naturally. So I think that's why I think it stood out more for me for a movie that's being all natural to have the, this sort of forced moment. It just it, if you know what I mean, just felt like it's forced. Yeah. Okay. But what are your thoughts? That's interesting. That? I mean, those are some of my those are some of my complaints around. I mean, loosely, but some of my complaints around Saving Private Ryan when we talked about that mm-hmm. was that there was some contrivances in the way in which people were dispatched or, or disposed of. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm thinking specifically of like Milish and, and the, the yeah. shh, quiet, the, the you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, same, I mean, I can yeah. kind of appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't entirely take me out of the movie. But it is noteworthy. I didn't particularly notice it this time. I don't have the same sort of sensitivity because I felt like in, in Private Ryan it was so overt, mm-hmm. whereas this I, I felt was a little more subtle. But uh, now that you mention it, I can see it being yeah. uh, a challenge, right, or, or noteworthy. And, and I certainly didn't pick up on it on my watches. But um, it's yeah. it, you know, everybody has their sort of sensitivities, right? You know, if oh, you're sure. breaking breaking something that is sort of what you need to you know like this has to sustain uh for me to suspend my disbelief enough you know and if you break that you're like yeah you're losing me a little bit so uh, i didn't particularly feel that in this movie i thought uh, everything felt pretty real and and didn't didn't trigger anything for me but it must mean it's uh, authentic so such authentic performances i want the whole thing to be because you're if you're going to commit to authentic authenticity commit to it Sure, and that's what I felt was wasn't authentic because the odds of I don't know that's just I just it did yeah no it's entirely possible and I've noticed it the last you know three watches it's always stood out to me that that scene after yeah that. I liked I liked the sorry I liked the um, tell me what you liked I liked all about <laughs> I liked everything about that that opening sequence because it did have I mean I I wrote down it's it's a weird mashup particularly that the opening couple of sequences um, and we'll 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 talk more about. I've been talking about it a lot lately to a couple friends of mine, so I feel like it's it's due to come off the shelf. But uh, uh, but this movie, in that particular sequence, it really felt a lot like uh, Saving Private Ryan in terms of of the of the visceral nature of the action, mm-hmm. okay, um, and the, the grit of it, you know, let's say, and 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 the violence of it, mm-hmm. combined a little bit with the sort of elegiac. Uh, manner of the thin red line okay. and you know this movie 
as we say, was was shot uh, by Emmanuel Lubezki, who shot The Tree of Life who, and obviously these other later Terrence Malick movies. Um, Terrence Malick made Thin Red Line. So it's interesting to me, and maybe that is the, the carryover. That's like the bridging where it, this guy's particular technique of filmmaking or uh, shooting allows for that. But I thought it was interesting kind of amalgam, particularly in this opening sequence where you're getting some of the nature and uh, floating camera ethereal kind of nature um, combined with some of the more visceral, bloody, you know, uh, uh, aggressive, let's say, um, battle sequence. So I thought it was a, it was a really good marriage of that because, um, you know, certainly not nearly on the caliber of, of a Private Ryan, nor does it really a, attain uh, to be, right? It's, it's, bow and arrow it's a lot easier to do... You know? Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, it's a little difficult to do the the, the mortars and, and the <laughs> yeah. machine gun fire and all that stuff, obviously, when you're dealing with bows and arrows and yeah. hatchets and whatnot. But um, I thought really impressive. Exactly. Really impressive. It really kind of gets you gets you hooked, as you say, with that first 15 minutes. So I was impressed by it, basically. I thought it was really, uh, uh, really impressed by it. And it does set a bit of a tone for not necessarily what's going to happen with the movie, but how the story is going to unfold. Uh, you know, the, there's a tone set. Um, it's, it, it's both, it tells you not only in terms of the quality of the camera work and so forth, but also in terms of the way in which the story is going to unfold, but also puts you into that time, right? They're worried about their pelts because that's where their money is. Yeah. They're, you know, the, the quote unquote, the savages, uh, you know, the sort of, uh, you know, coming in and the bows and arrows, as I said, the hatchets and there's some scalpings and right. There's all of these. It's a very, it's a very gritty, primitive uh, on both parts, you know, the muskets, the single shot guns. And, you know, it's, it's just, it tells you that you're in a, a completely different world than where you are now. And I thought they did that in very, very effectively. It makes, makes you appreciate the niceties we have today. And we typically <laughs> don't have to worry about getting, you know, scalped or what have you. And at first when I saw Tom Hardy's character, I thought maybe he had just like scurvy or something where he's just losing his hair from lack of vitamin yeah. C or something. But then it's 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 commented later. That he tells his 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 brief one of his weird stories about, about it. <laughs> Touches on it briefly. Yes. Now. It's not long after that. Again, we're not going to go with a scene by scene by any means, but it's not long after that where we, you know, they get down the river and they they regroup. They're trying to they're arguing what to do, and then we have the the bear scene. That's you know notable. I don't really know how much more I have to add to that other than uh, how real it looked, I, I guess, to yeah. and how painful it looked, and how Leo portrayed that pain and and anguish. And and uh, is there anything else you want to add to that uh, to that sequence? It's just that it's absolutely spectacular. It's an absolutely spectacular bit of filmmaking. And it runs for, I want to say, almost 12 minutes, maybe 10, from yeah. the first attack all the way through. Right it's because yeah. it comes in a, in a couple of waves. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm really, I was just, it's just incredible filmmaking. Again, like you said, it right? Is, yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful use of practical effects. And because it's actually Leo getting thrown around and also the visual effects of it being a bear, you feel every bone breaking and every wound, you know, and, and so forth. It's really quite a, the drool of the bear. Now, I had a, a quick question to you, which was there's a sequence during that a little moment where you see the breath of the bear mm -hmm. fog up the camera lens. And... Mm -hmm. 
that we were talking yeah. a little earlier about the arrow through the throat. That is something that did not throw me off or not take me out exactly because I'm 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 trying to be in it and I I, I do my very best to maintain it. Yeah. But it was something that I thought is this. What is a bridge too far when it comes to camera work? You know, because I think back about Jaws as an example, and I'll, I'll let you take over in just a moment. But when I think back to Jaws, that a lot of that movie is shot on the water. Camera is in the water even half and half, mm-hmm. right? Like we're just bobbing up and down with the camera. Now, as a there's no POV that is that shot. Yeah. Right. We're like, right. That's just a shot for the sake of a film. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And, and so that doesn't take me out. It does a problem. Now, I've also seen movies where water will splash on the camera or occasionally blood will splash on the camera. And I don't really like it ever. (laughs) It's not enough to take me out of it, but the breath of the camera tells me there's a camera there. Whereas, the rest of the movie, particularly the way it's shot, is, is this floating kind of camera work. It feels like it's either POV of a person, right, and like walking towards the scene, or it's like almost this omniscient, uh, you know, kind of floating camera, like the God camera, you know, or whatever else you call it. So I, I don't know if you picked up on or noticed it or have a thought on it, but it was something that I that piqued my interest a little bit, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on it. It, it just felt a little, is this a is this too far in terms of yeah. You know, realism. Well, you mentioned a bridge too far, and that's on my shelf, and it might come off eventually. It's an old <laughs> war movie Perfect. from the seventies. <laughs> Short list. Here we go. Uh, uh, I did notice it. I've noticed it every time, and I think, and it doesn't bother me. It doesn't take me out at all. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't have that feeling, which is interesting. After just talking about the battle sequence, uh, I think what it's trying to do, or what what I thought it was doing, is to make make tell you that this is a real bear. This is not CGI. This is not uh, something else. This is actually a real bear, and we'll prove it, and we'll have it breathe on the camera. So that's my thought around it. And it also wants you to feel that for a brief moment, it is that POV, that is Leo who's getting that Mm -hmm. breath on him. He represents that camera for that brief moment. That doesn't really make sense to do that because you can still see him, I think. I don't exactly remember yeah yeah the camera yeah it's when the bear's on top of him pressing on his head almost yeah so, so it's a it's a it's a unofficial pov because of the way it's set up so it, I, yeah I, I had no issues with it it does stand out but yeah, I, okay. it made me feel like this bear is more real so i think that's what it did for me and i think it, that's fair I, I don't dislike it i just it's, it's just interesting to me it got me thinking about other times where because this breath thing stood out whereas i've seen again other movies where as I say, like Jaws, where water is splashing up, or that would or, I think uh, that would be an issue for me that the water because I think it's just a uh, you know I, I yeah yeah I think that's different for me I, I would agree with you in that regards to the water splash and the blood splash but I love it in Jaws it doesn't even bother me for a second didn't even like doesn't register as being anything uh, worth even talking okay, about I so I can't you have to listen to it in the archives to see if we brought it up but I'm pretty sure we didn't like meaning that yeah. it didn't yeah, it, just, it didn't have any effect on me whereas here it did. Yeah, yeah, it would have affected me then in that case because I don't recall bringing it up with Jaws. Nothing really took me yeah, out of that. It's so. interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, just an interesting kind of piece of, you know, there's a great documentary called Side by Side, which is one of my, it's a, I'd love to bring it off the shelf at some point because it's really great. But one of the things where uh, James Cameron is being interviewed by Keanu Reeves about digital video versus real or like practical effects versus uh, CGI and whatever else. And, 
Cameron's response is, when was it ever real? Like, it's always just been three walls, you know, like, like acting, you know, like you, you, you're always building a set. You're always right. Like none of it is real. Uh, so what are you holding on to? And I feel like this is a little bit like, does the camera, does the breath on the camera, like, oh, this isn't real because it's a camera. It tells me there's a camera there. But it was never real. Nothing I'm watching is real. Yeah. It's all an actor. You know, so why is that a problem when when everything else I'm willing to accept, right? So uh, it's something that sticks, it sticks with me as being an interesting point of view when it comes to movies or fantastical movies or, like, again, CGI versus practical. It's, it's a little bit like that for me. Well, this movie... I think, again, to a fault, what movies tend to do is try to duplicate real life to the point where it's no longer entertaining. So mm. this movie is uh, dances that line where it, it it sacrifices entertainment to show the real pain of a few glass. Uh, you know, in other instances throughout this movie, it wants you to feel the cold. It wants you to feel the suffering and well i don't want to suffer phil uh i suffer <laughs> in other parts of my life i don't feel like spending two and a half hours suffering so it does dance that line a little bit and i think that's why i i have these mixed feelings about this movie and i think i, I don't think mm -hmm. I'm, i don't think i'm alone on that i mean it had it was it got good reviews the meta score is good on it it's it's you know there's nothing really negative about the movie which i think just tells you how well it was shot and you can't really say anything about a movie that it's so well directed and performed. You, you know, I just I just don't think it's a I just don't think it's a very interesting story. It's just there's really not too much to the plot, really. It's yeah, it's a bit of a showcase type of movie to me, right? Like, it, yeah, uh, you're on the journey. The journey is there. It's not like it's nothing, right? It's clear it's to some extent, right? Sure. It's it's the guy's got a grudge. Yeah, and I don't know if you've if you've had experience with grudges, but. I have been very good over my years of, of, of holding on to grudges and uh, never <laughs> to this extent. Uh, I need to up my grudge game. But, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but I've been in experience where I felt like I was wronged on some level or another and like carried that with me for, frankly, forever, you know, since. Um, and so, I mean, it's a very thin, if you want to call it a plot. I mean, that is ultimately what it is. You know, he's seeking revenge on Tom Hardy's character for yep. both abandoning him and killing his son. Yep. There's nothing more complicated than that. Yep. And so, it, and, and, and again, so, you know, I use the term entertainment. You kind of did as well. I, I don't know that a movie's meant to entertain in some ways. It's just telling its story. But I, it, what it does do is, as we talked about, it just sort of limits my interest in going back mm -hmm. and back. Whereas other movies, however... Uh, I think I have a deeper con emotional connection to, yes. and will rewatch yeah. dozens of times, right? And 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 maybe have even less plot, or yeah, it's not just do something yeah. different, right? So it's not a criticism of the movie specifically, because I think what it's trying to do, it does Very exceptionally well. well. Mm -hmm. um, it just didn't leave me with that. I want to feel this again. Whereas something like uh, Magnolia is a movie that. I find is like, I want to feel this again and again and again. Right. And this one is sort of like, I felt it and I'm good, you know, and it doesn't really draw me back because I, I do think that there's, you know, because there's something about we're onto the next sort of scenes here. But, you know, when you're in that position, uh, do you think like I, I wonder, like, 
is it right? You know, we, we, in Private Ryan, we talked about, you know, is it ver- is the value of seven men, you know, worth the one, right? The the mission is a man. Yeah, the good of the many, um, the good of the one, the few, yeah. Right, the Kobayashi Maru and yeah. so forth. Though I wonder if, like in this instance, you know, Leo is, is basically dead, you know, for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, is Fitzgerald kind of way off base by saying, like, we can't do this. Like, we have to, Not we really. have to leave him. Like, we, you know, um, so is he set up as the villain? He's a victim of circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's the villain. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, certainly by the he's end not of a great it, person. He's, he's definitely the villain. Yeah, he's not but at the person. beginning, I do kind of wonder, like, uh, you know, it's a, it's in that era, you know, in that time, mm-hmm. is it worth sacrificing three guys to just sort of babysit? Yeah, depends on the three um, guys. <laughs> I guess so. Anyway, I just felt like that was an interesting kind of thing that I don't think that Fitzgerald was really all that wrong in entirely Not now in wrong in certainly killing the song and killing the sun and in sort of pretty yeah. fashioned way you know but he he's talking to leo leo's blinking right like leo wants to die now maybe he's being pressured to do it but there is the impression that leo is ready right to, to do it and it's only upon hawk dying getting murdered that sort of starts the grudge but i do feel like he's kind of out like he's done and uh I really like that scene, the way it plays out, because of that. I like, I, I was still into that. Not that I was ever out of the movie, but I was really into that relationship and, and watching these two, and and listening to Hardy kind of t- convince him to die, basically. That is, uh, and I, I liked, and I liked Leo's portrayal of that too, wrestling with it and finally blinking, like well, you know, I'm out. You know? That's the question, Phil. I do like that scene as well. Uh, I mean, first of all, before t- touch on what you were just talking about, is I think. Uh, Tom Hardy's character Fitzgerald I think it's just a matter of he just starts down that path uh, yeah, okay. at the beginning he's like well you know and he, he's very got some very good points very valid points you get the idea but he can yeah, he's not the best guy but you know he's not an idiot like he he's making some valid points but once he makes that choice and starts down yeah. this path he just he doesn't turn back and he just gets at the point where, of course, the end, what he does to Henry is quite disturbing. So, yes. Uh, but that scene specifically you're talking about. Now, I never thought that Leo, this is the first time I really picked up on the fact that he blinked. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even pick up on that the first couple of times for whatever reason, which is odd because, you know, I'm paying attention. There was no yeah. nod here. It's a blink and you miss it kind of situation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, don't do that. But. Uh, <laughs> My thought is eventually you blink. Like he held off as long as he could, but you eventually blink. We've all done blinking contests. I'm pretty good at it. I usually win. But eventually you blink. Oh. So I feel like he Yeah, but I blink. Okay, go ahead. Well, I just thought he just, I felt like he he specifically blinked maybe yeah. with like some emphasis. We'll have to dig it. We'll have to we'll it. have to dig into that and do some research because I think you're wrong. If you're right, I, I will <laughs> uh, gladly admit it, but I felt that he didn't want to die, I don't think. Which okay. is odd, too, because then after he kills Hawk, then he just aborts the mission on killing Glass. Now, yeah, the other um, character... Uh, Bridger? Bridger, yes, Bridger. I'm not sure he thought he was coming back in a, and didn't have time. That's my yeah, only, my only that's thought, yeah. but I don't know. I figure he could squeeze it in. Uh, <laughs> he was already doing it, and he had to change it. And then he, of course, makes up the story of of the reef coming, and uh, yes, and that happens. Which and there's a couple of things I don't like, Phil. And this is the time I'll bring it up because it's around this section. 
Please. And I just don't like it generally. Again, these <laughs> things I typically I'm not liking in the movie are just general things, and they happen to be in this movie. Is there's two instances where a gun is pointed at Fitzgerald, and in both times mm-hmm. the, the the he gets the gun out of their hands. Now I know it's ones from a young boy, inexperienced, nervous, in shock. Uh, I get it, but the same thing happens to Bridger. Uh, I just. I don't know. I hate the uh, the opportunity where the you just know again. It's, I just know he's gonna just grab the gun and it's just, I know two seconds before it's happened. This is what they're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, okay. So it kind of falls in the same line as the the arrow and, and the throat thing. And so that's again not doesn't bother me as much as the arrow thing, but it's noteworthy that I just found a few parts in this movie that I just didn't particularly like and it did take me a little bit out of it uh and wasn't a fan so obviously you just kind of made a impression that it kind of irked you a little bit but maybe not to my level of irkness yeah i mean that that again everybody's got their different things the, those things didn't particularly stand out to me as being uh well what i did love was the the moment where everyone sort of rushed off and now glasses alone and he he kind of wakes up yes like i don't really have like he, he he they bury him he kind of pops up as it were and he, he drags himself over to his son and his son looks again we're talking about that sort of realism this kid looks absolutely frozen and dead you know like oh, like, yeah. like like as if that's a corpse right it, 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 the the detail is so mm-hmm. is so good but that scene again leo yes yeah, portraying that is it's heartbreaking it's yeah. beautiful and it's it's shot again this it's we can't talk about it enough it's shot beautifully but the the quiet stillness of that of that scene, it's not big wailing, you know, it's not big screaming. Obviously, because his larynx has been thrown out. You know, <laughs> yeah, that might out. be part of the reason. <laughs> it might be part of it, but it, it's it's a subtle grieving um, that I thought was was incredibly powerful and and really potent and and beautifully portrayed by by Leonardo. And it was something that it's again we're getting a little bit into what I would call maybe more sparse. Um, commentary there's like i don't have a lot to say about the middle chunk of the movie because it is to me beautiful there are certain shots that again that are that are excellent but the the plotting like is it you know furthering the plot too much or is it sort of digging too deep or is there anything really compelling about it um less and less as the time goes on i would say but but in that that sequence or that little beautiful little moment i thought was really excellent i wanted to make sure we Got a chance to chat about it. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, didn't grab me as much <laughs> as I grabbed you, but it was fine. Certainly wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't, no issue with it at all. Just didn't quite grab mm-hmm. me as, as much as I grabbed you. Uh, I was going to mention something about, uh, I get a little bit, I didn't like, again, it seems like just, just lack of effort or something when he gets the number of reef wrong. He said, oh, you said 20. You said, then you, you said 12 before, like 2012, like, mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a big thing. Like you got the wrong number. It's not like you head counted them. Oh, there's one, two, three, four, five. Oh, there was twelve, and now I'm saying there's twenty. Sure. Like you didn't count them. You just there's a bunch of them, and you went with twelve, and now you're going with twenty. I don't really see why Bridger's connecting something that he's all of a sudden thinking he's lying. You got the number mm. wrong, but you, again, you're you're when you see a bunch of people coming at you, you're not sitting there. Oh, look at that. How many are there? How many people are coming to kill me? Oh, we got one. Well, maybe you're not, buddy. But every <laughs> yeah, time. Right. So, <laughs> just a few things like that uh, I wasn't a big fan of. But when it comes to the whole section of the movie where Leo's starting to make his journey to the fort, 
and mm-hmm. he runs into uh, some, some Native Americans and some uh, the, the French the French uh, guys. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think personally, again, so many gorgeous shots, and that's all I'm watching at this point for is for that uh, that whole section. There's a few things you know that are nice. He's in the water and he's going down the the falls, and there's a few cool things. Uh, I didn't need the whole horse thing personally. I just I the think, whole horse thing. Tell me about that. Oh, the horse falls over and he cuts it open and sleeps inside the horse. The old Empire Strikes Back. It's been done before. I don't need to see that. Uh, I, I, th- I love it. Well, that's great for you. It's uh, I just <laughs> for me. I think they really could have tightened it up a little bit uh, and taken some good, some uh, uh, sizable amount uh, of it. But when it comes to that middle section, is there? Tell me what stood out for you, like really stood out for you, or anything that. Uh, seemingly bothered you about that sort of section of, of the Leo's journey back to the fort. I loved the um, when he's again right after he finds the sun is sort of reckoning with that he's trying to sort of get his life back together as it were and I got I, I enjoyed him rushing to the water when he finally sort of mm-hmm. gets there and he's got his water bottle or flask you know and he's, he's thirsty drinking and, he, and you're watching it drip out of his throat yeah uh i loved that i thought that was again it's a it's a it's a sense of realism uh, nice that's important and then he follows if yeah it's 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 cute i like it it's and then he follows that up by cauterizing it afterwards and i, I really i really like that sequence uh, again sort of seeing the problem and solving it uh in, in sort of inventive ways He's a frontier, uh, i really man. enjoyed that i thought that was really really uh kind of Noteworthy, like uh, both in from again film filmmaking performance and also just practicality. So I really like that. Yeah, that's the commitment, and, right? Uh, that's the commitment I, from the from the director and the commitment from the actor of, of doing absolutely. all that, hundred percent. And and again, it's maybe bordering on the gross and the grotesque, yeah. but uh, it's relevant, right? Again, this is not something that feels salacious or. Uh, at least not to me, and maybe I'm a little skewed, um, <laughs> but like doesn't come across as being um, uh, gratuitous it feels completely natural. Like this, this is what happens and he's trying to, you know, whatever, fix it. So anyway, I really like that. And I really loved the, uh, the horse. I, I really enjoyed the, again, the, the, um, resourcefulness of it. I agree with you. Obviously it's, it's similar to the Tauntaun experience in, in, in empire. Um, but I like, again, we're talking about level of detail. He's taking every, like you see the big stomach, you see the intestine, you see the right, like all the pieces of that that make up the inside of a horse is there, and and it, they could have cut around it. They could have done a bunch of other things. Obviously, throughout the, that that same journey, he's eating a lot of raw fish or raw bison meat or whatever, right? Like yeah. it, so. Again, they're they're not they're not prettifying anything. They're not. It's not in an effort to mask anything or like kind of cut around it or to, or to protect the audience or yeah. as it were from from seeing any of it so those it, kinds it. of things i found really impressed by that level of detail and and again it's a beautiful shot when he sort of wakes up in the horse well and the sun you know the sun is kind of melting the 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 ice a little bit and he feels like he looks rejuvenated ribs. you know it just looks completely legitimate all of it like it just feels like he's breaking the ribs to get out of it all of it feels really um like it really happened so uh, all of those things i really find really impressive in terms of you again from in terms of style and and um substance and i i, I wrestle with this thing i used to get into a, a number of I don't want, obviously not fights right but discussions debates 
particularly around long movies. We've got a couple of long movies on, on the horizon. And there's the argument that, all, that is, often, is often said, you know, like, does it need to be this long? Like, come on, right? Like, you know, two and a half hours or three hours or whatever, three and a half hours, so on. What is the, what is the limit, right? And there's a part of me that about midway through the movie, I'm wondering to myself that question. Is this necessary? You know, does it need to be two and a, two and a, two and a, two and a half hours? And I think it does, even though not a lot happens. It, I think, from my perspective anyway, I feel like it's necessary for the journey itself. I want to feel, and I'm sure the filmmakers do as well, to feel like you've been on this trek for as long as, as he has. You know, yeah. I think is the is the feeling. So if you cut that, and this movie is now like an hour forty five, or even like two ten, I think that half hour, what you're losing in terms of the odyssey of getting back to Glass, or you know, from Glass getting back to Fitzgerald, I think you lose some of the potency of it. But I did question it halfway through, or two thirds of the way, because I did think this is starting to drag a little bit. But by the end of it, I think in my total appreciation from the you know from from the finish line was that it did kind of need to be there i don't know if you had any similar revelations or, or feelings around it but i felt like it needed to be that i, I felt comfortable with its, its 240 or whatever runtime i do respect the fact they stuck with it the authenticity of it mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. are you going to make it a minute uh, sorry an hour 45 and it's still not entertaining then just do what you did and go the full 230 and do the whole thing if you want to do it yeah. your way and just show those things and that's what your goal is, then yeah, mm-hmm. it, it all needs to be there. That's the goal of, of the, the, the director and then the whole movie team. So I think, yeah, if that's what you want to do and you cut it, then you're doing it an injustice. Uh, yeah. But I feel like if you're to make it entertaining and, and tighten it, maybe that's just wasn't in the cards and maybe uh, it just isn't the direction that it could have went or should have went. And that's not what the, the point of this movie is. So I think, and again, there's yeah. people, there's a lot of people that really like this movie. So it's maybe you don't need to be always entertained. Maybe you do need to suffer a little bit and maybe everyone takes it a different viewpoint or it affects them in a different way, depending on where they are in their life. So, uh, yeah, I would. I definitely would say this movie is like a, more of like an experiential thing, yeah, rather than an entertainment. You know, like again, I, I feel like you just go to absorb what's being presented rather than laugh and cry or get scared or actually, yeah. you know, like it just feels like it's it's this ethereal kind of experiential thing. I don't know if that makes it good or bad, but I think it is not trying necessarily to quote-unquote entertain as much as maybe yeah. it could like like i like the interaction he has when he finds the the native american and and the bison like, I yes li- i like that section i like that uh i like when he they find he finds the the woman and the fr- yes. i think of the french yeah. guys i guess uh yeah so i again i like there's not there's not i can't think of a scene like i don't want other than maybe the horse thing uh yeah that but because it's so well shot, I, it's not like I don't want it there. I just, I just, 
I don't know. It's, it's like compelling, right? Like it's yeah. compelling even if it's not inter- entertaining. At least that's how I felt. Like yeah. it's, uh, I'm not loving everything I'm seeing, but like I'm, I'm invested in it. Like I'm grip. Yeah, exactly. But it's a weird gripping. It's not like an entertaining gripping. It's just it's a different type of grip. I didn't know there's multiple yeah. grips, but now there we know there is. So there's yes, it's now been grips. confirmed that there's. <laughs> 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 Absolutely, it's not like a kung fu grip, you know, no. from like the old GI Joes. This is something different completely, altogether. Completely, completely. <laughs> I did love. I don't know if you have anything before this, but I like the culmination of that sort of journey, as uh, because you already touched on that relationship that he kind of has with that that Native American and the sort of the snow coming down and the tongue. Like, there's kind of a cute scene, you know. It's kind of this a bit of a, a, a respite from the doom and gloom of it, right? There's this kind of almost cute to it, cutesy, mm-hmm. cutes, cuteness, cuteness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next sort of shots, I just, I thought the the sequence in which he arrives or that they they basically get revealed that he's alive. I thought that was kind of compelling that they sort of, now again, a bit of a contrivance if you really want to go down that road of like, well, this oh, guy happens to, just happens to find the flask, flask and, yeah. you know, just happens to bring it around, like all those things. Didn't yeah, it didn't bother me either because it, it, if you want to nitpick or you want to get involved, well, okay, sure. But these things happen all the time, right? Like this is, the world is full of those types of coincidences, you know? Yeah, there wasn't a lot so of other contrivance in this movie, so I it wasn't an issue for me because it wasn't like, oh, here we go again, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So I like the sort of steadfastness, uh, steadfastness of the captain being like, "Okay, he's alive. Let's go." Right? They, yeah. Like, there's no mucking about. They go and track him down. And the scene in which he is discovered is just another, just a beautiful shot with the the flames through the fog and the night yes. the, and the snow, kind of yeah. right, like him, him just like all frosted over. You know, uh, it's it's just a, a beautiful. Mm-hmm. You could just take a shot, like just a, a still frame of that sequence, and and you'd be, it's it just gorgeous. Uh, so I, again, not much is established or built in that scene, other than he's back on the, you know, back in 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 their world, and Fitzgerald's gonna have some answering to do. Um, but just from a terms again uh, of a shot and a beautiful uh, staging, I, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, I'm in awe of uh, of that scene. It's it's uh, visually visually absolutely stunning. Uh, and then, of course, we get back in Fitzy. Uh, <laughs> probably <laughs> feels that it's not a good idea to stick around. Robs the place, blind. Yep, yep. And heads to the hills. Typical. Yep, Fitzy. get me out of town. Get me out of town, yeah. So how do you feel? That's this kind of summing up with the last, I guess, 20 minutes or so. Now, I for me... It's I, been the last half hour. It's a half hour. I couldn't remember. Yeah, it's been last, yeah. I said, does Leo die? I could not remember. This is my fourth watch. And, and, I, and I couldn't remember <laughs> if he, he, he survived the end. So I was just like, oh, okay. So it all kind of came back to me. I sort of forgot how it all transpired. Uh, I mean, I mean, the gist of it for the most, well, not the gist, clearly, because <laughs> that would be the gist. But. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty it's a big component. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, what are your thoughts in around uh, how, how they play that all out? I thought this, if anything, is the only part of the movie I thought was like dragging. I didn't, I, well, as now you know, you think I'm not dragging. a huge, <laughs> I only just think like, you know, we talked before, like, I, I don't like necessarily like kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, like kind of big grand action sequences or like battle sequences or whatever. And unless they're done incredibly well. In this, I felt the last 25 minutes, I really was appreciating and enjoying the cat and mouse of it. I liked that the captain and I, I have a note, like, of course, of course he does. Like, it just feels like, of course, yeah, that sucks. Uh, 
yeah, he's a good character, but but again, I was like, yeah, he's gonna die. Or he just has to. I wasn't a big fan um, of the performance, but I, like, but I wanted him to live. Okay, <laughs> he's he's still yeah, a ginger. no, I get that. He's still I, a ginger. <laughs> Save the gingers. <laughs> um, but I did like the you know the, again the ingenuity of propping up like the sort of bait and switch of using yes. the tree branches to prop up the guy and like kind of as a decoy. Like I like all of that kind of cat and mousey stuff. I really did enjoy it. Um, but the actual sort of fighting one another, the fisticuffs of it, the yeah. hatchet jobs and the, yeah. that I felt dragged a little bit. Now I like, obviously, as you know, I, I don't mind the, the blood and guts of it and like kind of gradual uh, increasing the damage, uh, as it were. But I felt like this, that part of it didn't need to be 20 minutes, uh, necessarily. I, I, I think that, that, yeah. you get your mom. that point of it could have come across a little better, um. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I think everybody has to die. So I, I liked that. Uh, like I felt satisfied by that. Like nothing, like of course, you know, Leo's, uh, you know, uh, releasing Tom Hardy to, to the natives, uh, mm-hmm. to the Native Americans, I thought was, was, uh, you know, a bit like on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, nothing really stood out as being like a bad choice. I was like, yeah, that all makes sense. Maybe that's maybe, maybe it's because it was such an easy, Easy being uh, predictable uh, uh, choice, which I've mentioned. That feels a the, little less than which I've mentioned a few times throughout the movie. Just some yeah. slight predictable choices, or you just sort of know just before it happens what's going to happen. A few instances. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I so I didn't necessarily feel it before, but I was sort of like, oh yeah, okay, that's what you do, right? And similarly, when they both basically kind of kill each other. It's a bit like, yeah, that's what you have to do. You know, like, so again, I'm not let down by it, but I'm not surprised by it, let's say. Um, and I thought it was interesting, the choice to end the movie on him basically glaring, you know, staring right at the camera and holding on the camera for a little while. And then I thought it was also interesting that for, you know, maybe 30 seconds after and over black, you get these sort of deep, Leo breaths before it kind of finally kind of goes to credits. I thought that was interesting. It's very rare that that, that happens. And uh, I thought interesting choices. But it left me, again, I liked the movie. I felt really, you know, like good about the ending. Uh, but those were a couple of interesting choices that I, I, I it felt those were a little surprising to me. Not enough to like, wow, but just, just curious choices to me. Mm-hmm. Do you think he dies? Yeah, hundred percent. I think he does. I think it's that ethereal, like uh, he's talking to his wife again, like you know, from from the heavens. You know, there's a couple of times where he's clearly on an alternate plane. You know, right? He's kind of communicating with his dead wife or his dead son, and walking to the sort of st- the, the pile of uh, I think he lives uh, blood and stuff. Oh, interesting. Okay, as far as I know, he lives and goes back to the mountains. All right. Well, I didn't read it like that. I read it like he died. So Dude, he survived a bear attack. I think he can handle a, a, a knife wound. Like, come on. Yeah, I get the impression, though, for me, that, that it was like the it's thing tough. that was keeping him alive was the grudge. And, yeah. yeah, that's true. That's and possible. the revenge of it. And so now that he's got it's his revenge, he can die in peace. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. That's, sort of, yeah, that's that how I interpret sense. it. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just obviously it's not very clear. You almost think Nolan's film... Uh, is directing this, leaving you let, uh, like it, let that in, and the fact that Lucas Haas is in it as well makes you think this is a, a is no, yeah, mm-hmm. not a big role, but those three guys are all in this Inception, and they always seem to show up in in Nolan films together. So yeah. interesting. Actually, I didn't someone actually said, "Oh, that's a Nolan film." Like, no, it's not actually, but I can see uh, 
why you would think that. You know, I think there's some IMAX shots and things like that that no one, like no one typically does as well. So, yeah, that makes sense. It's certainly got the scope of a Nolan type of movie. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Definitely uh, impressive that way. I did also like, and just just a, a last sort of comment I have just on the right before that, I did like um, what I originally thought was the closing shot. Or like as I'm watching it, I'm like, you can cut to black now. Like this feels like an appropriate thing, which is the the big blood um, stain, as it were, at the side of the river uh, and the, on the white snow. Like that again, that image as as Hardy kind of gets pushed aside and Leo's sort of out of frame. I thought that shot is, you know, there's a lot of imagery in that. But I thought that's a beautiful shot. I thought that's kind of where you go to black. And then because they kind of cut instead to Leo first looking off to his wife and then into the camera and then the breath stuff, I thought, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on the end? And, and, and what are your, uh, what are your, you know, what do I have for you next week? I get, a, I get another one. I get back to back. You don't get another one. No, <laughs> let's not get crazy here, folks. Uh, but what are your sort of summaries? What are, what are your sort of final thoughts on the movie? What, what are you, what are your, uh, well, what are your feelings? After this conversation, Phil, uh, you know, as I said, I was sort of on the fence myself about how I felt about the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, well, it's clearly staying on my shelf. There's no, there's, there's no doubt about that. You know, I'm a, I'm a Leo fan, Hardy fan, and and mm-hmm. visually, again, visually stunning. I'll say that for the umpteenth time. <laughs> I think what I've settled on is if I'm in the mood for this, I'll watch it, and if I'm not in the mood for it, I won't watch it. So I'll just whoa, 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 slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force myself to watch it because I feel I should like it because of all the characteristics yeah, okay. that it has. So if I I'm in the mood for something visually stunning and to put myself in that that world because they create the world mm-hmm. pretty darn good. And if I yeah. can, if I can look past and just blink my eyes at the time the arrow hits them in the throat, and if I know it's coming, I can just look past that those moments so i'll just look away <laughs> and uh <laughs> i'll do it so I, I would revisit it probably maybe once a year sort of thing maybe i don't know the exact numbers i'd have to crunch them but i don't know how i'm gonna feel that time but it's there's certainly you know it's got value there's value to this this movie there's absolutely no doubt about that it's just something that you if i'm not in the mood to be entertained i'll watch it so mm-hmm. <laughs> if I feel like suffering with Leo, I will suffer. <laughs> it's just about being in that in that frame of mind. So there's no doubt that I appreciate everything that they try to do and they do. I just think it does. It's not necessarily entertaining. Uh, there's certainly not all the way through. There are points where, of course, it is, but it's not what it's mm-hmm. going for, and it's not trying to sell it to you. So it is what it is. At the end of the day, Phil, that's it is what it is. That's my final thought. Uh, <laughs> what is uh, <laughs> your final <laughs> summations? And what do you, I guess? Uh, for us next week uh i again i i really like this movie and i feel the same way as you do which is to say that i wasn't completely entertained by it but i was completely captivated by it and engaged in it and there were enough things about it that i really liked and appreciated mostly on the filmmaking side as I said before, it's a movie I'm maybe impressed by more than I, as I said, entertained by. Mm-hmm. I like it, um, but I don't know how often I'll, as you said, go back to the shelf to pick it up. Uh, it's not something that necessarily... There's no telling 
that this is an incredibly well-made movie and worth the accolades that it's received. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, I think there's a reason why it didn't win Best Picture that year, a movie called Spotlight, which to me is a, oh, yeah. a much more yeah, entertaining, for lack of a better term, a much more entertaining <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, is and is sort of has different emotions and just it's just a different movie right but it's one that i gravitate towards more maybe in my in, in my tastes so again a, a hell of a quality in this it's, it's it's a really excellently brilliantly made movie um i'm happy to watch it it's been a long time i don't know when the next time i will watch it is um so it's it's a, it's a weird one. I don't think it's going on the shelf. Basically, is I think the show. So you don't, don't think own it's going on my shelf. You don't own it. I don't. Okay. Uh, and I I don't know uh, if I if I will. Now, if 4K comes around, it's cheap enough. Maybe I'll consider it because of that sort of once in a blue moon type of watch mm-hmm. um, on the big screen with an Atmos and the whole thing. I can but, lend it but, to you. Just bring it back to me in a, one year. <laughs> yeah, but barring that, uh, I don't know that I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of my way to grab it. So that sums it up for this this week and uh, next week, my friend. I tell you, I've vacillated so much, uh, even throughout this particular Vacillate. podcast. But but it's uh, we're in the throes of October. Oh God! Uh, when this when this comes out, <laughs> and uh, as a result, I think uh, it's appropriate. But yeah. we were talking about Friedkin, so we're gonna do The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Uh, okay. The Exorcist uh, uh, next week. Heard so of it. tune in for that, folks. Uh, often cited as the scariest movie of all time. Oh, great. So good luck with that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. I'll, fake, I'll and, uh, fake watch it and just read some notes from the internet. That's, that's right. Check out the wiki. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I love that. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for us, folks. And uh, thanks for listening. Feel free to follow us on the Facebook page and comment uh, at any point you like. Tell your friends about the podcast. Share it. Uh, like it. Rate it. Subscribe. Anything you like. But uh, just help us spread the word to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week. Good night.